Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of If It Is In Love Podcast. I am your hostess, Danisha. And I'm your co-host, JL Woodson. And we're back, and look at this setup. We have a new setup that my wonderful co-host and fiance has um, been working tirelessly to put together. <laughs> I came out of the bedroom this morning, and I was like, whoa, okay, a little setup. Um, he's been working on it probably like the last 30 minutes or whatever, trying to perfect everything. And it, it looks good. So let us know what y'all think about this new setup. I like it. I feel official. I feel official. You got to stop looking that way. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our TV up here. So it is the monitor so we can see ourselves, but the camera is here. So I had to remind myself the same thing. Like, don't look that way because I'm looking off screen, even though I feel like I'm looking at myself. Um, so yeah, I like this setup. It's cute. Um, I have to make sure I have real, real clothes on today. I am rocking the I'm going to clean up later couture. <laughs> um, and this is and I'm not really leaving the house uh, attire today. Uh, rocking my bonnet, which I've fallen in love with. Best like four dollars. I don't care what you say, Monique. Whatever Monique says. And let me tell you, the next time I have an opportunity to travel, which uh, I don't even think it will be until October when I get on the airplane. I am definitely wearing my bonnet with some hoops. And that's what I'm wearing to the airport. And I'm not even a bonnet girl. Like, mm -hmm. it's not my style. But I don't like telling people what to do. And it is convenient, especially when you have long flights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You want to rest. I don't want to have a quaffed up do while I need to rest on the airplane. It should be comfortable. And as soon as people realize that those types of things that we have to dress respectably and blah, 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 blah is built in white supremacy. Then people will start to let some of that stuff go. I get it. I get why. But the thought that we have to dress this way because people will look. And I'm going to tell you, it's not because I'm not, I don't fall subject to some of that same thought mm. um, in my work and stuff like that. But I also like to dress up. So <laughs> it's fun to me. Um, but uh, understanding that a lot of that is people won't take us seriously unless we dress a certain way. Um, because I work with, you know, I've seen people who, uh, white people who dress like whatever and are VPs and presidents and bosses and whatever CEOs, CEOs and dress <clears throat> like, like I, I wouldn't wear that clean up. Like I don't own some, <laughs> mm. but you know, whatever. Also, I didn't comb, comb my hair today. So. <laughs> This is convenient and I didn't want to put, I didn't want to wear makeup. So I like this. This is, I am gonna, this is what I'm gonna be wearing for the rest of the day. Dun, 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 dun. It's my cleaning couture. I like it. Um, <laughs> so like we should have a, uh, was that red carpet moment? Like, who are you dressed by? <laughs> I'm dressed by a beauty supply store. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. Uh, that came from the beauty supply? No. Okay. But they sell these at the beauty supply. Huh? They sell them at the beauty supply, though. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, it's a bonnet. And it's silk lined. I'm not going to show y'all because, again, my head is not combed in the inside. I'm just going to pull it out a little bit there. Uh -huh. So, it's good. although every morning I wake up with it on the other side um, of the bed. Right. I'm, I'm like, what do I be? I be out here fighting demons in my sleep. What do I be doing? Tossing and turning, apparently. Literally. Because <laughs> I'm like, 
what is happening in my sleep where look, the the bottom's at the foot of the bed? I'm like, how did it nah, get you in be there? Fight, you be fighting covers in the middle of your sleep. It just, it gets hot and then cold and then hot and then cold. I promise you, every morning around two or three o'clock, <clears> it gets so hot. I could be naked and I'll just start sweating. And I'm like, why is it? Get off of me being naked, focus. Why is it so hot in here? And then, like, closer to this time to get up, it's freezing. Mm -hmm. I still have the fan running, but that's something I just started doing again a few weeks ago. I had gone mm -hmm. a long time without doing it. Yeah. But I like the noise. Like, I like the hum of the fan. I don't need the air. Sometimes I put the air towards me. Sometimes I put it up. I just need, I like the, I don't need the noise. I enjoy the noise, like the the of the fan we'll, uh, we'll touch on that because uh, i'm like I'm, why it's like white noise I'm why not... i gotta be white <laughs> but it's what it is it's like that noise so mm -hmm. um this week how's it how's how how's how's it going i mean i know but the people don't know um it's going pretty good uh been trying to take care of better of my health even though i had a pizza Oh, a slice of pizza. And Burger like King. And Burger King. We both and had Chick -fil -A. Burger King. We both had Chick-fil-A. I didn't say I didn't. I just said you just said pizza like, oh, I had a slice of pizza. I just wanted I you mean, to but that was like, <laughs> you know, it was a like the Chick-fil-A and the Burger King was a community effort. <laughs> Why you had to put me in? And I, I tell the people my business. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, like, no, like I was just craving a slice of pizza. I'm like, yo, like I... Like it, and I only weird part is I only ate the toppings. Okay. I like I ate like a piece of the crust, and it just didn't hit like I really wanted it to because like I wanted some Italian fiesta. Oh wow! But um, I mean overall like I am feeling better because like I started um my new schedule that I set for myself. Um, so I'm technically working on classes only two days a week, and then. Got some projects off my plate and, um, you know, had a stern talking to with my mom about uh, me uh, not working on the weekends and stuff like that. Or um, uh, her not adding to my project list without me knowing about it and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just good old fun adulting and all that good stuff. It's like, you know, like you feel like you become the adult in certain situations like not necessarily with the scheduling or anything like that like sometimes i catch my mom um like in the um backyard camera of our house and whatnot and she's bringing in like you know mcdonald's sweet tea and oh you have to pair your pair yeah i'm like lay off the sugar <laughs> See, this is because you be creeping on your mama because you watch her house. I don't know what's happening in my mama's house. Um, I just send my prayers and well wishes her way. So, I but like, I get parenting the parent. Like, yeah. Well, I have like most of the time I'm checking because like sometimes she comes in late and, uh, you know, across the alley are abandoned houses and stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, let me go ahead and just check. But then I'm like, lay off the sugar. You're bringing too much extra sweet tea from Pure Leaf in. Awful. Or a whole Italian fiesta pizza and I'm not there. Bless you, my stop minding your mama business. Anyway. Right. Let her live her best life. 
But yeah, other than that, I'm good. How about you? I'm doing good. I started my first week um, at my new job. Um, so it was different. It was a short week because it was the holiday uh, week. So it was four days. It, I spent a lot of time just getting to know people. I'm still setting things up. I actually got a lot of things done considering it was like four days mm-hmm. um, in terms of like redecorating or yeah, decorating my office, getting furniture moved um, in my suite and just getting everything kind of like updated. So there's still a few things that I need to do. Um, the commute is something I have to get used to. And it's not because it's a long commute. It's honestly not the longest commute that I've ever had. Mm. When I first moved to Houston, my commute was 50 minutes. Um, mm. Well, let me take that back. When I first moved to Houston, the first job I had, it was like 16 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't that far. And it was no highway. I didn't have to be on the highway at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But just going through the streets, morning traffic and everything. And then when I got in my second job, when I moved to Houston, the commute was 50 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes. Um, But typically it was an hour, right? It was because I will leave at 710 and I'll try to get there by eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes there were accidents. So I would give myself, I mean, you know, it's like, oh, if you get there between eight, eight, 15, you're fine, whatever yeah. the case is. So, and that was it. But I moved. So I moved down the street from my job. So mm-hmm. for two years, just about, I was eight minutes, eight to 10 minutes away from work. And then the last year, there was almost zero commute mm-hmm. because most of the time I were from home. Even when we moved, when we first moved, um, we were supposed to be like halftime, but for the most part, I still worked at home. There were a few days a week that um, I went into the office. And so that commute was like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But like even when we first moved, I was working from home. So there was no commute. And so now going back to it's about 40 minutes to an hour. It just it's been raining in Houston. Yeah. Like every day. Every single day for the last almost three weeks at this point. Because I think it was raining even when I was uh there in June. Mm-hmm. Like it's so it's been raining for almost three weeks. Some days, like all day, but definitely every morning. I think this is the first morning that it has not rained, like at all. And it's not just like it's drizzling. It's been like big, heavy, dark clouds. So I really feel like that's been pulling my emotions down. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to not. But the only thing you do to stay out of the rain is to come inside. And it's, you know, and, and I really like I was like embrace the rain because there were a few moments where it was sunny outside. And I really appreciated those moments because it had been raining, but then it just kept raining. So I was like, <laughs> OK, um, so kind of getting used to the commute, getting used to like being on time for work, mm-hmm. um, being out of the office or being out of the house, being fully dressed. That's the other thing too. I like to get dressed, but I haven't been like fully dressed at seven o'clock in the morning. Mm. So being fully dressed out of the office, being out all day, not coming home until like six or later. Um, so, and it's not something that is foreign to me, but it just hasn't happened in such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hasn't really happened in our relationship at all. So getting used to that. Because when you first moved here, I, we were living around the corner from my job. Right, right, so I right. came home from lunch, for lunch mm-hmm. almost every day, unless I had a meeting or something. But even then, you know, 
that would be like maybe once or once every other week or something like that. For the most part, I came home every day for lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I went to the gym afterwards, I came home first to change and then I can leave back out. Mm-hmm. And now that's not the case because I actually passed the gym to come home. So if I'm going to go, I go, I would go before I came right. home. So it's a lot of getting used to at one time and just being in a, a job where I have more responsibility, <clears throat> um, where I'm a director, so there is a little more, there's a lot more expectation in terms of like what you produce and things like that. And I think it just goes counter to a little bit to what I have been leaning to for how I want my life to be run um, in terms of wanting to lean into rest and not doing the most. And what I realized is I went from this space where I was forced to relax mm-hmm. and I don't relax well. We've already established that. Um, but I was forced to learn how. And I was forced to learn how productivity isn't king and the quality of my work means something. And I don't have to do everything. Mm-hmm. And balancing perfect and good because I would say, you know, something is good, meaning it's perfect. And like, that's the standard. And if it's not perfect, then it's not good. And getting out of that mentality and then just having the space to kind of like breathe, go with the flow in my day. It doesn't mean that I didn't like have meetings and deadlines and all those kinds of things, but it definitely wasn't as harsh. And then the world was closed. So you had a lot of limitations on what you could do. And then the world just bust back open, wide open, open like a hole on Saturday night, just bust open. And I have to go back into this world full blast into this new role where the expectation is that you produce. And the old me would be so much more like yes gonna do and this version of me is like mm, not so much and it's not because i'm not not happy right mm-hmm. it's not that i'm not happy it's not that i'm not excited about my job i mean i applied for the job so went through all the four interviews and everything so it's not that i, I i'm i don't think that this is going to be a good fit but i'm definitely struggling with at least what my perception of what people expect of me mm-hmm. and what I am prepared to make this role and what I'm prepared to give. And also in my life, like what I want. I've, I had to remind myself, like I had said all of this stuff um, at the beginning of the year about leaning into luxury. And I find myself going backwards sometimes. Like today I was like doing the grocery order and I kept thinking like, oh, I can just go pick it up or I can just go to the grocery store. And I was just like, pay the extra money, have them delivered. That's what it's there for. Don't stress yourself. I think it's also possibly because of our last two. uh, You think it's also because of the last two encounters we've had with grocery delivery. That's making you think that too. Well, actually it was just that one encounter. It was all in one day. Mm. It was the one encounter. I mean, 
And I'm saying one because it was one order. It was one order that they just couldn't get it right. But I have to also say, okay, in the grand scheme of things, that was one time out of all the other times. I've done it at least, at this point, at least 10 times. Mm -hmm. And it's always been fine. Right. So this one time, it was bad. But like also just being like, it's so crazy. I was telling someone like, I don't focus well in clutter and I didn't have time to like clean up last weekend. So it just didn't get clean. And I just feel like even when I'm at work, my mind is like, it's not clean. And let me be honest. That was not a mess. It's not a mess. I think my standard of <laughs> like what everything needs to be in its place. It hasn't been. And just haven't had taken the time to like sweep and mop and dust and da 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 whatever. And like, okay, I want to do that today. But like also I was saying like, I was like, oh, I'm going to utilize a cleaning service. And I have not done that at all since we moved here. And we've been here for almost four months. And I haven't done it. And I was just like looking around like, oh, we stopped decorating the house and like blah, blah, blah. So I want to lean, get back into that space, right? And also like we're doing wedding planning stuff. And I just feel like I've been doing so much like looking, I need to like pull the trigger on some stuff. Just mm. <laughs> go about it, but not overwhelm myself with it, right? Because I want it to all be um, enjoyable. And so trying to find that, uh, figure that out. Um, there is a strengths um, assessment that we take and I took at work and we're going to do a training on it in a few weeks or, you know, next week or whatever at work. And I've done it at my old job. And so I knew my strengths. My top strengths were communication, competition, uh, achiever, individualization and activator in that order and so uh they were like well you should take it again because we're gonna do it and i was just like well no i know my last job we were really about doing everything based on your strengths and the idea of the strengths assessment is we are going to rely on our strengths and not our weaknesses and so what you do is you lean into your strengths and, and you just get really good at leading and operating out of that. You don't worry about what you can't do because right. you're about what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like, well, I know. And they were like, so I was just like, well, I, I got the book. Maybe we'll do an episode on that one day. So I was like, well, I'm going to do it. And I retook the assessment thinking, you know, last time I took it was three years ago. So I can't necessarily remember all of my responses, but I, so I wasn't, I was just answering them to how they meant to me. And I realized it changed. So my top strength used to be communication and now it's positivity. And then communication and competition. So that's still there, Mm -hmm. which I found out competition is actually a fairly rare strength to have. Um, Competition, input, which is a new one, and then activator. So individualization and Achiever is gone 100%. Like they're not on my top five, right? So there's 34 strengths. So it could, maybe Achiever is number six now, right? Mm. But they only show you your top five. So it's funny though, that one of my top three strengths is now off my list completely. Mm -hmm. And now I have this positivity strength as my primary strength when it wasn't on my top five at all. And so I'm, I'm still doing some more research to it, but I don't know, like, kind of like how the positive, it's kind of like your glass half full kind of person. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is sometimes you have these bigger life events 
that happen, it will make your strengths change or the, sometimes they reorder. They said oftentimes when men get married or they have children, their strengths will change. Um, and I thought about it. I think this last year of leaning into rest, it made sense that Achiever was off because I was very like, gotta do everything, gotta, and I wanna win and achieve. And, and competition is still a strength. So there's some of that in there, but that desire to, or, or that thought that I'm always have to be on top and I have to participate in everything is not there mm-hmm. because I'm leaning more into my rest and, 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 and overall well-being that I'm not at an achiever mindset. And, and just kind of saying like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean I don't do good things. It doesn't mean that I don't have achievements, but that I'm not, I'm not leaning towards that. I'm not guided in that way. And so, and then the positivity makes sense because I think in our relationship, I think that has led me to be more positive, to just being like, you know, I'm like, we can do whatever we put our minds to. And I'm just like, you know, I'm that like, you know, and I find myself being kind of like trying to cheerlead myself and cheerlead us Mm -hmm. together and cheerlead you. And so I think, that part has really kind of like taken over and and again in this last year trying to find the positivity in situations where there would could it could be hard to to do that and 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 really getting being grateful for stuff um mm. that i already have so i know i've said a lot but um that's how my week was and i you know i had some days that were rough mm. um i came home and i was just like i just want to go to sleep <laughs> I just want to lay down. I just want to do nothing because I was so drained, smiling all day and mingling and, and really didn't realize like how passively it was raising my anxiety levels, mm-hmm. like having to be in contact with so many people. Um, and then just be like, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer. Right. So I should have almost that in the movies yesterday yeah so it's a lot so it's a lot and and kind of giving myself the space to be like it's a lot and that's okay and i don't need to feel bad about it and that's probably the hardest part for me because i'll be like it's a lot and why can't i get over it and yeah. so uh that's how my week has been i'm excited for a new um week but all of this wanted me to have a conversation about imposter syndrome. And I know that we've talked about it before, but I kind of wanted to go into it in a little bit more detail um, because I really feel it for myself um, lately. Mm-hmm. I really feel like, I, I don't know if I was ever yeah. as susceptible to it, but I feel very like, Oh, should I be here? Should I be doing this? Da, da, da. So I want to give a definition of imposter syndrome, which is a concept describing individuals who are marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. Hmm. So kind of the thought that um, not identifying with your own accomplishments like that's a big part of it and feeling like oh I did this but you know really highlighting all the things you did wrong in that even when you did something well Mm -hmm. um 
And there are five types of imposters. And I got this information from Stevon Lewis, who um, is a psychotherapist. And so he does a lot of therapy in, t- in getting um, people to overcome imposter syndrome. And so he has uh, these five types of imposters. So I want to read them and then we can kind of just dissect them and talk about them. Like if you see yourself in any, if we see one another, if there are other people in our lives and let's say I have to put their business out there, uh, but to say if we recognize this, but so that that's the other part of it. Like there are types of imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Types of imposters. So the first one is the perfectionist. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? I didn't say anything. They well, I'm looking at you because you're my co-host. Okay, so the perfectionists, they micromanage, they have difficulty delegating, they set really high bar, and they think everything is either perfect or trash. The focus is on the process rather than the progress. That is, they get stuck on how something happened and minimize what actually happened. (laughs) <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the perfectionist? oh okay um you feel in a kind of way because you feel in a kind of way that ain't got nothing to do with no, me no we've had this conversation before so okay but this is feel. what's on the paper i didn't it's more this is just what's okay. on the screen i didn't i know that i am a perfectionist which is you know not necessarily healthy um like even just setting up this whole little situation for our podcast like i was basically getting flustered and because it wasn't looking right to me it was like you know it just didn't it wasn't going how i wanted it to go um like even in my design process like i um like when it comes to like book covers and everything like that like I'm like, yo, like if this doesn't look right or a certain way that I wanted it to look, or if there is a, if this picture isn't going the way I wanted it to go uh, for the book cover and stuff like that, I just feel like it's trash. Or like sometimes like the author or the client will love it, love it to death and everything like, oh, this is really great work, really, really great work. Or even some people who are in book cover design um, that I've shared my uh, designs with, and it was like, no, this is a really good cover. Like, what's wrong with it? I was like, you know, maybe, maybe the uh, the uh, it could be a different font. Maybe the uh, the title could be shifted over just a little bit. Maybe I could do something different with it. It's like, and I basically talked myself into a whole uh, negative uh, mindset throughout that whole process. Like, because um, like I'm like, once it's printed, it's printed. So I don't know. I want it to be as perfect as possible. Is perfection possible? No. So if perfection is not possible, according to you, Mm -hmm. then why aim for impossible? I have no idea. Okay, just something to think about. I don't, I can't really explain why, I can't really explain why that, why my mind goes through that. I know, but I'm saying... And I think sometimes we can't explain because we don't think about it. But if you're thinking about it and you're saying this is not attainable, I am then setting an unattainable goal, according to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I got nothing on that because like, 
I can't like I've actively thought about like why do I feel like you know like it's the what the outcome is is perfect enough is perfect enough for the client right right then and there but I'm always wondering if I'm doing like okay so when <clears throat> when I get into design I get in late and um like I wasn't the person who who spent time like drawing characters or, you know, I was always the person who wanted to just be involved in like how computers were uh, built and stuff like that. I never saw myself as a graphic person until like I started like getting more into the arts and I noticed I started spending more time with it. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure like what happened along the way where um i stopped focusing on um just like oh my god i'm learning this oh god this is dope like this is like this is something that i've learned that's new and everything like that and then all of a sudden it's like okay now it's time to try to do it the right way because like um like there are certain times where like i felt like i didn't um because I came in late, I was basically trying to make up for lost time. Um, so like, I basically like slided, I slid through a lot of stuff, like, um, without sometimes without fully understanding it. So when you say came in late, what do you mean? Well, okay. So like, it wasn't something that I originally thought I was posted like that I wanted to do at first. Like, okay. according to how I felt my timeline was supposed to go or, you know, stuff changes. But originally I was an English education major. I wanted to be a teacher and everything like that. Um, and then, um, what was that? I want to say 2015. That's when I, well, actually it was a little bit before that. That's when I decided to switch over to graphic design. So why is that late? Mm. I. But why is it, how does your age when you start a career determine like how successful or it's not a matter of successful it's like you know the learning curve okay. like because for me like right now i'm in ux design class and everything like that i'm like even right now i'm having a hard time retaining some of the knowledge that i like that i probably would have been able to like do when I like in my early 20s or something like that, or when I was basically having a having the mindset to be in school, like, yeah, I love learning stuff and everything like that. But um, especially with the way education is going right now, like everything's virtual and stuff like that. Like, I don't really learn like that. But um, I felt like um, especially at that time, like if I probably would have just got a head start on it, like or really. Because I knew I was gearing into the whole graphic design portion and the arts portion, but I was basically hesitant because of the fact, like, yo, I have so many credits in English. Right. So that's why I felt like I wasted so much time with that. Okay. So I'm going to say something that sounds like therapy-ish, but I'm saying it because, I mean, for everyone who doesn't know, my my career is in career services and workforce development. So I always talk to people about, like, that kind of thing. And just really what I would tell any of my students is that there is no such thing as like a late start. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes, and I think, and I say this to you in a way that I would say to myself, when we have this story, right, that we are committed to, it makes it sometimes a lot harder to progress. It impedes our progress because we are committed to this story. And if you're committed to the story of you started late, so you're behind, so you're always playing catch up, you're always going to feel like you're playing catch up. And everything that you said, everything was, I feel like, and I feel like, and it's valid, right? To how we feel, but a lot of what our feelings are, we control. So when you're setting yourself up to say, I feel like this is because you're committed to this story of I'm starting late. Mm. That's your story. So you're never going to catch up because you're always late. So you have to, I think in my mind, you know, if you were one of my students, I would say, change your story. Mm-hmm. To you, did, you started when it was most appropriate for you. You, I always talk about transferable skills. There are skills and and knowledge that you have that students who didn't take any of those courses that would lead them to become an English teacher don't have. Mm-hmm. You have, as an author, you have a way with words, especially written, that a lot of people don't have. True. That you can. <laughs> use to that you use that I've seen you use with your clients in terms of being able to capture what they want Mm -hmm. right you're able to take words and turn it into art and graphic and I know that as a person who's been like hey this is the idea that I have Mm -hmm. and be like I'm this is a feeling that I want to give and then you creating that when I couldn't tell you draw this this I say this is what I want And this is the kind of message that I want to convey. And you can do that. And I think that sometimes you have that your story has to change. And if you're committed to if you if you are willing to erase the I'm sorry, late story, it may have a positive effect in terms of that. Right. And and nothing is overnight. Right. I was giggling because some of the perfectionist stuff, like when we were setting this up, literally just, I'm afraid to touch this microphone, y'all, because how he precisely like set it up. It was like 17 different ways first. And I could see you get get frustrated because then you was moving so much that you start sweating. Then you mad, you gotta turn the air off. Just like, I'm just gonna sit here and just be like, Okay, you want to move to the left a little bit, move to the right. <laughs> what are we gonna do? And and I get it because you want everything to come out right. And I don't think I don't see the perfectionist in myself as much. There's some of it, uh, definitely like sometimes difficulty delegating because I will hold on to that if you can't if you want it done right, yeah. do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Same here. And yeah. and so sometimes that can be hard. I've had some, I've had the perfectionist mindset and and kind of how we live our how our house is done. And I've had to get out of that because one, then I rob you of like having ownership and responsibility over how things work in our house. Mm. And also then I put so much undue pressure on myself to make sure. You know, is this clean? Is that done? Is this fixed? Is that whatever? And and not just being like, hey, I need your help. Can you do this with me? Mm-hmm. Can we whatever? Um, and having <clears throat> those conversations. And so um, I get that. But 
it, it's funny. And so what I've learned is sometimes I get so you, if you get so caught up in that, then it you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. When I realize that sometimes if I'm waiting on to be perfect, it's either perfect or nothing. You know, what is that? It's uh, perfect or trash. Then I have end up with so much trash and I never do anything because I'm waiting on to be perfect, which we've already established is not attainable. So just something to dwell, think on. Well, huh? I send this to you. No, I was like, um, well, my phone's up there. Um, I think I definitely have a hard time delegating anything. Well, not anything. Like, um, because like even if I'm thinking about asking you to do something, I'm like, shoot, I'm right here. I might as well just do it myself. Um, but as far as like when it comes to like design stuff or anything like that, <laughs> like hiring out to like say if I'm swamped with like design projects or even sometimes my mom will like, what can I do to help you? I'm like. Don't get me wrong, my mom tries, but she's not going to do it to the quality that I want. Um, or she doesn't pay attention to the detail that I would like. So I'm like, I might as well just do it by myself, at least. Had the Herbert whistle from Family yeah. Guy. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but um, like, I need to get out of that because, like, of the fact. I get swamped with so many projects and everything like that where like I finally I'm delegating my even just my calendar and my project list to uh, Angela and it's like it's helped and everything like that but like delegating some of the rest of the work like you know um, maybe it's somebody who uh, can tackle like minor projects that I can um, that I can get off my plate and basically trust them with uh but also like figuring out who i can connect with to uh that you know has a good design aesthetic and all that yeah. stuff like that where i can get some of this stuff off my back yeah yeah sometimes that's what gots to be done and, and and again it's like playing to your strengths right like i might be what's that book i can't think of the book that i read <sighs> But it was like your zone of excellence versus your zone of competence and your zone of genius. And you want to do the things that are in your zone of genius. And sometimes we get, um, we're like so stuck in like doing the things that are in our zone of competence or our zone of excellence. And we don't have the time to do the things that are in our zone of genius because you're just doing the stuff that you know you can do because you you know you're doing all of that kind of bottom of the barrel Mm -hmm. surface stuff that you're not going to have time to get into the things that you are really good at that ultimately are going to be like your money uh, bringers. Those are ultimately going to be the things that bring you the most satisfaction and all of that. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that we have time to touch on all of them. So the next one is the soloist or individualist. They need to do everything by themselves, help reduce the significance of the accomplishment and needing help is a sign of failure. (laughs) <laughs> so that is uh, the second type of imposter. Um, I feel like I have a bit of that in my when uh, as far as like being an author, um, because I had a little, not necessarily a lot of help. So like when I first started writing, it was like my first book was based off an English assignment and everything like that. And I was like, somebody actually had to tell me that I that I write very well. Or I can uh, tell a fictitious story very well in um, 
like for creative writing and everything. And um, of course, like I had my editors, my mom, who's also an editor as well. Um, of course, publishers that went over it and everything, um, even in my second book. And then I got nominated for the NAACP Image Award. And I felt like sometimes I feel like I didn't earn it, mm. earn that nomination. Um, because even though like this is how it all goes in publishing, like you have the editors, you have the people like saying like, what if you said it this way? What if you uh, write it this way? Or what if this character did it, did something different and stuff like that? It doesn't feel like it's you after a while. Um, even though technically the base of the story is still you. Um, I just felt like everything that came after that, like how much of it was really me or how much how much of it um, did I really contribute after a while. But um that's probably another reason why like i don't talk about like the accomplishments with that a lot like that whole time when i was like starting out being an author especially at that age like i didn't realize the significance of it i didn't uh, realize the importance of it but um i think i definitely have that soloist or the individualism uh part of it because of the fact uh I guess for me, it just didn't feel like I didn't, it felt like I didn't earn it. Yeah. But a lot of people, so we went to the movies yesterday and we went to go see Black Widow. And what I, you know, anybody who's going to see a Marvel movie, you wait till after the credits are over because they always have end credits that have like an extra scene, which really will allude to what the next movie might mm -hmm. be. Or it might just be something funny because not all like some of the Iron Man, it doesn't even have like a next thing. It just has something funny. Um, at the end, mm -hmm. but in between that, right when you watch the credits, so we think of this movie and who, is the Russo brothers. Mm -hmm. Do you think of Marvel? And, well, I don't right? know. Right? Is who it did Black Widow? Maybe it was the other one. But just say like you think of like the Russo brothers, or you think Marvel, and then if you're thinking Marvel, you're thinking like depending on the movie, like for Black Widow, you're gonna think Scarlett Johansson because she is the star. If you're thinking Iron Man, you're gonna think Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case is for the different movies. But we sat there and there was easily 500,000 names yeah. that came up without yeah. which any of those individual names, that movie would not have been that movie. Right. Mm -hmm. There are things you don't know where it's like key grip. I still really don't know what that job is. But the key grip. There was a leatherman. There's a person who their job was to make sure all the leather in the movie was right. <laughs> Right? Because maybe you get the wrong leather and it doesn't have the right thing. So, but at the end of the day, some of those people don't get the credit because it all goes, oh, this is a Russo brother thing. This is their thing. So even when you get all of that assistance, right, to get this great finished product, it doesn't make, it doesn't take away your ownership mm -hmm. of it, right? Because the responsibility also goes, if it sucks or if people don't respond, let me not say if it sucks. If it does, people don't respond to it in the way or that you intend it, then it's, it's on you. It's not on those people who contributed to that. True. So, I mean, I get that. I think, I don't know if I have that um, as much. I think the needing help sometimes, um, I think I definitely like to be in control of stuff. So, <clears throat> okay. The Superman or Superwoman 
they find downtime wasteful. They're always producing, I'll sleep when I'm dead, looking to next accomplishment. Rarely spend any time acknowledging what they've accomplished. Feels like a failure if they don't perform at optimal levels in all roles. Usually juggles multiple roles and has to do them all well. I know this is me. You don't need to look at me. I know this is me. I know this is me. <laughs> I know. I will say... I will say, mm-hmm. I think I have gotten better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> you have if, no problem going to sleep. And I used to be like, and, and it doesn't mean that if I'm, sometimes I really like, I'm really enthralled in something I'm doing and I'm going to stay up. Mm-hmm. Right. But I also, I, be, I believe in getting my sleep now and I need more sleep than I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sleep. <clears throat> I ain't. Um, finding downtime wasteful. I'm getting better at that. I'm really trying to realign. I told you this last year has changed a lot of this. I think if you had, if this was me a year ago today, mm-hmm. maybe a little, a little more than a year ago, cause probably like in March before COVID and everything. And I feel like I hadn't really started to embrace it until maybe around this time or August or September of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you had asked me that, like a year and three months ago, oh, 100% all of this. All of this, 100%, probably. Um, especially the, I think looking to next accomplishment is something I still struggle with. Um, I was just, t- I told you earlier this week, I was just telling Lauren when I was on the phone with her, I just have a hard time. Like, I don't know what the allotted time to celebrate your achievements should be and sometimes i feel like oh i went out to eat and i celebrated that so now on to the next like i got this new job and i was i was typing an email and i was just looking at my email signature and i was just thinking of like man i did this thing and i'm really not like i'm so into like what i'm gonna do next i started looking at like doctoral programs because i know we talked about that Mm-hmm. like before and so i'm just trying to think like what's a good time to start and what i'm learning is i don't think there's any good time to start <laughs> program. probably post wedding um would be a good time um <laughs> to start i don't know because you know there'll always be a thing because mm-hmm. i think well i'm gonna have kids do i want to be pregnant when i start my doctoral program there's always gonna be a thing there'll always be a thing yeah um but just something to think about um and the usually juggles multiple roles and has to do them all well yeah that's still definitely me i feel like sometimes i don't want to do things if i'm not going to do it well i've gotten out of that a little bit like um especially especially um honestly whenever i'm dead um like i used to be that person who would stay up till seven o'clock in the morning. Now I'm taking my melatonin to go to bed and everything like that. But generally like that's when like all of my great ideas came out and stuff like that. So that's normally why I would stay up. So it's not, I don't know if, um, if that was really me. No, I don't think this is you at all because yeah, you stay up late, but it's not like you're up at five o'clock in the morning and then going to bed at seven o'clock. You're just a night owl. Mm-hmm. I think by nature, I think the nature of your work now has sh- shifted you to need to, um, and age, 
Well, yeah, it's, it shifted you to need to go to bed earlier and to maybe wake up earlier. It's because it's the nature of your work, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a hundred percent entrepreneur, and even if you're a hundred percent entrepreneur, like your clients aren't up all times of night necessarily, and some of them are up in the morning, and that's when you need to connect to them. So you got to be up. So I think that just yes, age, but also just growth and growing has put you in a position where the night owl isn't as conducive to your livelihood in Mm -hmm. your life. But I don't see, I don't think this is yours. You're definitely the perfectionist. But (laughs) I definitely think that this um, is me in terms of, and, and that's kind of, I've been trying to, like I said, I've been trying to look at my downtime as rest restorative more than anything. Like this is the time that I need to be, at my peak, I've been working on not always producing, but also just having that I don't want to not produce. And so trying to find that the balance in that mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> simplifying things. Um, it's funny because it kind of going back to the individualist, like some of that um, and all my wedding planning stuff, one of my <laughs> maids of honor, uh, my best friends reached out and was just like, I know you have ideas for what you want to do for like your bridal stuff, but can you let us do this for mm. you? And she's like, she's like, how about you just give us an outline of, cause I just have a very specific idea of what I want things to look like. And I did to her, I don't want them to not look like that. And I never want somebody to be like, well, my finances don't dictate that it could look like this, that my, da, 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 da. I'd rather do it myself and have what I want. Um, but she's also like, we know you. And we we want to do this for you. Mm-hmm. So you can give us an outline of what you got to have, what you absolutely want, and then let us do this for you. And mm-hmm. so it's so funny that, I mean, I'm grateful that I have friends that could tell me, we know your, your brand of crazy and we get it. And we also just want, let us do this for you mm-hmm. um and you don't have to feel like and it, it's funny because i've been reading all i told you i'm in all these like wedding groups and you know people just talk about like, these wedding horror stories and some of them a lot of them have to do with like their bridal um parties mm-hmm. and like people just flaking out on them and not doing what they're supposed to and not realizing the financial uh obligations with being in the bridal party and all this other stuff and it just made me like and I don't believe any of my friends to be these people uh, or to be like these people, but I'm sure none of these people thought that <laughs> that either. But it's so funny because I feel like sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to remove myself from this because it is triggering all this not rational thought um, about it. And also like sometimes that kind of stuff makes me feel like I got to do everything and I got to do it right. And I think I would suffice to say that a lot of black women especially in in their career where they're in positions of power and all of that will have if they struggle with imposter syndrome will have the superwoman um imposter syndrome because it is when i was getting ready to leave my job my former boss who i I view as a mentor and she's like a big sister and she's a friend Mm. was like kind of telling me, you know, how proud of me she was. But there was also this like, you're in this space that's a largely white space, especially in leadership. And now I'm this black face, I'm this young black face. Um, And 
kind of how I have to do it for everyone, right? And the pressure that is on to perform well, to do well, to do everything with excellence. And I was hearing her and I was, I got it because it's the black girl speech we give all black girls. But I was also just like, <sighs> and I think it really like fueled this feeling that I have in terms of like imposter syndrome because now I'm like, okay, I got to do everything. And I'm trying to be a lot, like I said, a lot kinder to myself in terms of, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I look at my to-do list and I'm like, okay, you got to whittle this down. You can't do everything. Right. And so stop attempting to do everything because then when you don't, when you only do, I'm the person who does like 50 point to-do lists weekly. And then I do 20 and I feel like I'm so unaccomplished, but I am not taking into account that I did 20 like projects or things, even if it's like, oh, I need to clean up. I need to meal prep. I need to, um, you know, send these emails. I need to call this person. I need to go to this event. And like you do 20 of those mm-hmm. and, and still feel unaccomplished because you didn't do 50. Right. Um, and so it's like, well, <laughs> if you only set yourself up to do 20, then you then you've done everything that you set out to do for the week. So kind of finding uh, that balance. So the superwoman is the one I'm working on. Okay. <laughs> the fourth one is the expert. Always seeking trainings to validate knowledge has to meet every requirement in order to apply. Always feel like they don't know enough. definitely the last one i think always feel like you don't know enough yeah like okay so i think the main reason why i felt why i felt that way is because like there have been times where like granted i should look at this the other way around but like when i got to one of the schools that I attended outside of Fisk. So when I switched over to uh, start switching over to graphic design or start doing more graphic design classes and stuff, the professor that I had, I knew more than he did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how in the world is that even possible right now? Like, oh, that's why you said it should be switched. Okay. Yeah. Like it should be switched. Like I should be thinking like, oh, I should be grateful that I know more than my professor and stuff like that. Um, so, but it put me in the mindset, I'm like, okay, am I really getting everything that I need? And as far as knowledge is concerned, like, like I'm grateful for the school, like Columbia, like I learned my fundamentals and stuff like that of design. Cause there at the other school, I was mainly only learning, like when it came to graphic design classes, I was only learning the programs and, um, I wasn't learning stuff like uh, typography or, uh, you know, foundations of communication design and stuff like that. I bet that happened when I got to Columbia. And by that time, like I knew Photoshop, I knew some things of Illustrator and InDesign and everything. I knew the basics and stuff like that. Uh, I'm more so new Photoshop because I had been using it way longer than before I started going into those classes. But it just felt like I didn't know enough or um, I didn't get the critiques that I was looking for. Like, um, like, you know, like 
there are tons of kids who are basically, you know, sensitive to like, you know, feeling like their professor is a hater or something like that because they're getting a negative critique or not necessarily negative, but like, you know, there's some things wrong with their design and stuff like that. Like there's some things that they would, they should probably look forward to changing and stuff like that. I'm that person like, no, like, let me know what's wrong with my stuff. Like before I'm over here putting it out into the world and this, you know, like somebody else tells me right. that is trash and whatnot. So that's where like I look forward to learning a whole lot um, because th- even now, like there's still a whole bunch of stuff I don't know. Um, even just uh, like taking, like when I was taking some of these boot camp classes and stuff like that for uh, visual design and everything, and there's like, why are you in this class? I'm like, refresher. <laughs> but I do see see where that definitely applies to me because like I honestly feel like there's a lot of stuff that I'm missing. There's nothing wrong with <clears throat> wanting to be a lifetime learner. I think wanting to learn things is great, but I think the part where you're discounting what you already know and even when you say like this professor, I know more than them. There are plenty of people I work with who are like, I know more than them. And it just triggers that like I can actually do all do some of those things that I want to do. I can have some of those positions. That's why my default when people are like, oh, you don't have enough experience. I'm like, y'all are crazy because I know I do because I know people who are in those roles before me or whatever the case and didn't have the kind of there was a job that I applied to. Um, at my former institution that somebody else got who I know doesn't have the kind of background that I have in training. And I think I would have been a better fit, but I didn't even get an interview, an initial interview. And I just thought it was funny, but I don't default to, oh, I must need to do more in this area. I'm like, no, y'all crazy. And that's fine. Cause I got another job that I'm sure pays more that is a better fit for that still aligns with what I want to do. But I, I think just, being in a good being in a space where you can say yeah i want to learn more and there's always more for me to learn but it doesn't mean that i'm not an expert being an expert doesn't mean you know everything especially in a a space where i think that there are only a, a, a handful of spaces where there should definitely be a very high level of i've gotten this down pat and that's if you're like a doctor because you can't operate on me unless you you got get your sir your stitches right mm-hmm. all of that kind of <clears throat> stuff but especially when you're working in a field that's very subjective right like you know a lot and that's what i'm saying you go into there are some things you're going into where you're like oh i don't really know a lot about this i need some help or this person is going to teach me this um you know and it doesn't mean that you're not good at it. i work for people who i know i know more about in certain areas than they do but there's also like the timing when they came in, it wasn't a, certain things weren't a thing. And mm-hmm. now they're a thing, but they're already in their roles. And so <laughs> it is mm-hmm. what it is. Um, and so I never I don't think you should ever be in a space where you don't want to meet more, learn more, but also don't shortchange yourself. Right. And don't feel like you got to meet every requirement. You know, I in that respect, I dig way deep into my white man mediocrity bag. Uh, I look at job descriptions and people be like, you know, oh, should you apply? Be like, if I meet, I look at the must have, and if it's five things and I meet three of them, I'm gonna apply. <laughs> like, worst case scenario, they tell you no. Mm. And then you don't have the job, but you don't have a job if you don't apply. Mm. So I always ask myself, and it sounds so crazy, I'll say, like, if I go after this, will they shoot me in the head? 
And people are like, what exactly? See how ridiculous that sounds? The answer is always no. So why not go after it? Because the worst thing I can think of is that somebody would shoot me in the head for trying. Mm. And they're not going to shoot me in the head for trying. So why not? If it's not going to be the worst thing, then it definitely won't be the worst thing. Right? So that's how mm. I kind of psych myself up sometimes to doing stuff um, too. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't like jump off a building or something. Like that's not going to get me to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the last imposter syndrome or the last type of imposter is the natural genius. Stuff comes easy labeled as the smart one at an early age, (laughs) hasn't really had to deal with adversity. As a result, they have adopted an irrational narrative that success should come quickly and easily. If something isn't accomplished on the first try, it is a failure. (laughs) Um, I think I used to be a lot more of the natural genius. Um, Definitely academically. School was always easy. I got straight A's and I did not try. I was, and and I don't say this in a conceited way. I know it sounds conceited. I was just naturally really smart. And I, I had a hunger to learn. My mama taught me stuff, you know, at home. And I didn't struggle. I taught, taught the other kids. I got concepts really easily. Mm-hmm. And I did not struggle academically until grad school. So Mm. honestly, anytime I did bad in school, in high school, it's because I just really wasn't trying. And it was a concept that required effort. Like I got B's because like I wasn't doing homework or I wasn't reading. But like, oh, and like I was in honors pre-cal. You had to read to learn it. I would like skim it and be like, hmm. Okay, this is going to be the answer. So I was getting C's and B's because I wasn't really reading. But if I had actually just read and did the homework, I would have gotten A's. So I got, I was so used to it being easy. And I've had, now I've had some teachers who are just butts. I remember I had this, I took a publishing class um, my senior year of college as an elective, like Microsoft Publisher. Welcome to 2004. Uh, that's the class that I took. And my teacher was so like particular. And it's funny because there are certain things like with design where I would do so. I'd be like, oh, this is cute because that's <clears throat> the mindset I take. She definitely had more of a mind like you. Like, oh, it's not in this margin. And, and I'm like, you know, but I would also look at it as a consumer. Like if I was consuming this, this would be fine. I'm not looking at it from a designer perspective, but I was supposed to be looking at it from a designer perspective, but I'm looking at like, my friends would come to this party if I did this flyer and they're coming, like that's what matters. Um, And so I didn't do as well in that class because she was asking me to like to push my mind to a place. I was like, ma'am, I don't, I I don't need this. And I mean, honestly, just with, we didn't know at the time the way, you know, things, it's not that publisher is, irrelevant and doesn't exist there are just so many other things that people use in place of but anyway i took the, i took the class I was making cards for personalized birthday cards for everybody oh my god <laughs> i'm like shocked that it was a class but also this was 2004 2005 so mm. it makes sense that's what it was yeah. like it, they it, it, in design they weren't doing it that kind of stuff then mm. not in high school so 
I, I definitely think uh, when I got to grad school, I remember there was a class. I got my first F in grad school. And let me tell you, when you have to pay $1,300 to fail a class because I was paying for school, you only had to fail one time. I only had to fail one time and it was technically on technicality. What ended up happening is I had the same professor who for two different courses and like I had her a semester before and then I had her, but the topic that she gave was very similar. So I took like big excerpts. I got one paper I got in her class previous, I got an A. And I took big excerpts from that paper for a different paper, which was a similar topic. And she was like, it's plagiarism. I'm like, but it's my work. It's your paper. She said, I didn't cite myself. Because it was a different work. But I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you didn't cite yourself. And I was just like, but I wrote it. So it's my thought. Like you gave me an A. I wrote it and there were other words. It's not like I just turned in the second paper as the first. I didn't do that, but I did take like, say it was like 10 pages. There were probably like a good four or three or four pages that were from that paper. And she was like, no. And so I had the option to withdraw. Like she was going to fail me, even though all the other work I did, or I could withdraw from the class, but it will be a WF or a WD, which is like withdraw failing. So it's like you, it's not going to count against your GPA, but there mm. is a note, but I could retake the class mm. and then I would get rid of that. So, that, but that ultimately just costs money because you pass the withdrawal deadline, whatever. So I withdrew from the class. I took it with somebody else like mm. later, turned in that same paper, got an A. <laughs> But I had a different instructor that time. Mm -hmm. She was also like the department chair and all this other kind of stuff. Mm. But really, it was like only that one time where, and honestly, I was in, I remember taking an accounting class that year. I took an accounting classes in college, but in grad school, it was different. And I had to study. I had to go to office hours and it was hard because I was working full time. Mm -hmm. And class, you know, had to go to class on weekends. I was in study groups. I went to a tutoring center because it was hard. And it was something that I wasn't used to. And at that point, I was like 27. So I hadn't made it through my entire academic career, really. I, it wasn't that I didn't study, because I did. But I, you know, when people were like, oh my God, I studied so hard, I got to see. And you see like that, what's that, like lean on me, like that, like we had to study. I was not that kid. Things just really came easily to me. So sometimes I find like when it doesn't, I get frustrated. Um, really easily I, I think for me like in my earlier years like school came easy to me um outside of math um i mean of course i did good in like grade school math and whatnot but like for the most part like i was the person who always got a's and a b in math um and then like uh they started doing like, my mom started putting me in like different programs and stuff like that. Like uh, University of Chicago had this PEP, a college upward bound program that was mostly slated for like, uh, I think either high school kids or eighth grade and up and stuff like that. I was the only fourth grader in that. Well, one of the few fourth graders in that class where we were learning like calculus and stuff like that. And um, like we actually had to be on campus 
at University of Chicago and whatnot. And it was only for like gifted students and whatnot. And then I would say like after a while, like I really hated school because like I was a kid who always got picked on and always ended up having to fight somebody. So it wasn't the fact that I didn't like learning or anything like that. It was the fact that I just hated being at school. Mm-hmm. Um, like anytime my mom would like, you know, have me do a book report, I'm like, yo, granted it was, you know, she paid me for it. Like you read a book, you did a report to prove that you comprehended everything that you read. That was my summer job and whatnot. Oh, this is you did in the summer. I was like. Yeah. But not like she had me doing speed reading classes and oh. stuff like that. I was like, we're not stuff. paying our kids to do their homework. <laughs> no, it was like a summer thing. But, you do your um, homework or you be out in these streets. But yeah, I think um, it was like later on, like that's when I like high school, definitely like freshman, sophomore year of high school. I hated going to class. Like the only thing I really enjoyed was band. And that's the, one of the things that I passed. Because, <laughs> like, during that time, like, uh, what was that freshman and sophomore year of high school, I only passed band and lunch. Everything else was at. How do you pass? How do you fail lunch? You don't go. I guess it's different. We had, yeah, we had off-campus lunch and everything. So nobody was looking for you for lunch. You do whatever you want to do. I know. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, you have to do whatever you want to do for lunch. Just be here for class. But, um... Yeah, like, but also, like, I, like, now, like, when I think back on it, like, how that school was in comparison to the school that I graduated from, I, there was nothing exciting about that school, like, besides, you know, hanging out with friends and all that stuff like that. There was nothing really um, um, that made you want to go and made you want to learn or anything like that, because, uh, like, a lot of the stuff just seemed like it was dead end and everything like that. And I'm like, shoot, I can just go ahead and be a professional tennis sax player. So do you think, so, but the, nat, going to the, for the natural genes, it doesn't have to be academic. It could be anything. Like, do you think that that's an imposter syndrome that you suffer from? It I doesn't have to be academic. For the most part, yeah. Like even with just writing and everything like that. Like I said, somebody had to, actually had to tell me that I could write. Or like design and everything like that. It's like, no, you have very, very good ideas and everything like that. Or, um, well, the natural genes is like stuff comes easily for you. Like, and it's like you recognize it. So it's like either it's great. Like if you, you stuff comes easily. So you expect to get it the first time. And if you don't get it the first time, then you failed. Hmm. That's like what the natural genius is. It's like I get, I know this, I got it. I don't need help. But if you do, if it's not that, then everything else is a failure. So it's kind of like not giving yourself the space to say, I can learn this or progress to this. I don't know. The only reason why I even went to that went to academics is because. You were talking about school, right? But I was talking about school because for me, that's what it was like. I liked school, but I was good at it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was saying. For me, it was a natural genius. I didn't have to try. Like, yeah. I, it was like I was really good at it. But talking about how that carried on into my life. So like sometimes, <clears throat> like I expect that I get it right away. And if I don't, I'm very hard on myself if I don't get things right away. Because I have cha- trained my mind to believe that I'm really smart. 
I went to gifted classes and not just, especially if things are supposed to be logical mm -hmm. and if it's supposed to make logical sense. So that translates to my work, right? So outside of school, that translates to my work. I do expect that I get things right away. Mm -hmm. um, and don't always extend myself the grace to learn a new skill or concept. Um, and that's why, like, say when you're trying to teach me how to use uh, Premiere Pro, mm -hmm. I would get frustrated when I couldn't get it and I didn't want to ask you for help because I just felt like I should know how to do this. No, I've never taken a class. No, I have no kind of background in training. But that's what it is. So that's why it's an imposter syndrome because I expect even something that I have no training in, no prior knowledge of, mm -hmm. that I should know it. Because I'm naturally good at stuff. Not rational. I get that. <laughs> but you see, like, that's why I would get so frustrated when you're like <clears throat> teaching me. Cause I'm like, why don't I get that? Why mm -hmm. can't I? But it was something that I allowed myself to practice and to learn. And then when I got stuff, I got really excited about it because I was like, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. But I was not getting it for a long time. And when I wasn't getting it, what was my initial thought? Could you just do this for me? Mm -hmm. Because it's frustrating me that I'm not getting it. So that's kind of like what the natural, that's that thought. Mm -hmm. Like I get stuff. And so when I don't, it's trash. It's failure because I'm not getting it. Um, because I don't get it right off the bat. And that's clearly, and, and it doesn't go for everything, right? There are some things that I'm willing to learn. When I first started doing makeup, I mean, for, at the time, my friends loved it. <laughs> I look back at old pictures, I'm like, gosh, y'all just let me put whatever on y'all face. But it was something that over time, you learn different skills and I learned how to do it, you know, really well. And not only like, do you know how techniques, but you learn how to do it quicker. And mm -hmm. so like, oftentimes, although I don't do makeup a lot, like people pay me not, for like how fast I could do or whatever. It's, it, that's why it's a quality. And the fact that I can do it in less time, like I could do, it used to take me like 45 minutes to do my makeup. Now, if I'm doing something really complicated or if I'm having a bad eyebrow day, it might, but mm -hmm. I can easily do my makeup in 20 minutes and have a full done face. Um, if I'm like keeping it basic and still look really nice because I've practiced so much, I know exactly what I should do, especially for my own face. Cause I know the contours of my own face. I know what I need to do mm -hmm. and the steps and the order in which I need to do it. So that's kind of the natural genius. So I thought this was an interesting topic. Cause again, we had mentioned, <clears throat> um, imposter syndrome before, but to really talk about these parts. And so if you had to pick the top two, Right, because I know there are some that you identify with some aspects of it, but which would you say, actually, let's do it this way. Which two do you think pertain to me the most? And then I'll tell you which two I think pertain to you the most. Do 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 do
followers. Me? Mm-hmm. Superwoman. Okay. Natural genius and superwoman. I agree. I think for you, perfectionists, I don't even need to look at that one. Um, and I'm going to say expert. I'm going to say those two are the top two, you know, and I just think encouraging everyone who feels like they may suffer from any one, I would say go follow uh, Stevon Lewis. It's Stevon Lewis MFT. I'll link it in the description. Check out his uh, Instagram. And he's, like I said, he's a, a, a psychotherapist. And he talks a lot about uh, like how to combat um, imposter syndrome and things mm-hmm. to do. And, you know, I think... I was happy in having this discussion because there are things that I recognize. I think when I first kind of learned about imposter syndrome, that was very heavy on me. And since I've done some work where I can see, okay, yes, I may still identify as a superwoman, but there are some of these that don't resonate with me in the way that they did before. But Mm -hmm. definitely, and how it can change. I think for me going into this new role, it definitely started making me feel like, do I belong here? And having to like remind myself all the time, like you belong here, like Mm. you worked to be here and don't diminish your accomplishments and, you know, big up yourself and, and continue to move toward progress, right? You can, it's all about the progress. You can always continue to move toward progress and really acknowledge that you deserve to be in the rooms that you're in Mm -hmm. and um there's nothing wrong with getting better at things um but one thing that i'm learning and i think that you can learn in terms of like the perfectionist aspect is like not confusing good with perfect and sometimes we use those interchangeably and it can be like yeah this is good and it doesn't mean it's perfect and going back to your own definition which i thought was just amazing your own definition is that perfection is unattainable so stop trying to attain what you have determined to be unattainable i mean unless it's me in which you got perfection (laughs) (laughs) you disagree no. He's saying that under duress. That's okay. <laughs> what? Um, so yeah, I um I thought this was a good topic and like one I'm really gonna try to keep in mind um this next week. Mm-hmm. Week two in the new job where I'm uh trying to just remind myself that I deserve to be in these spaces, just do what I need to do and not kind of like downplay it. Um the roles that I take, but I also feel like I don't need to do everything. Mm. Working on delegating things and uh, not over committing. I, I found myself doing it in my first day. My boss was already telling me like, like over committing to things. Like before I took the time to like learn stuff, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, we can work on that and, and committing to projects already. So true. I, for me, I know I need to start slowing <laughs> down to a certain degree. Like even in that part because like i'm quick to say yes to a project without really understanding 
mm-hmm. like the full full like because they're telling me stuff at like uh face value and telling me what they need but i'm like and grand scheme of things once we have a conversation you need something totally different right and just and and being able to say that be like oh this sounds like something i could potentially be interested let's set aside time to give full details before i commit mm-hmm. okay. anything else you want to say before we wrap it up nope all right guys thank you guys for joining us if you're not already make sure that you're following us on social media at if it is a love podcast on instagram and facebook it's at if it is a love po1 on twitter we're trash on twitter um so follow us on instagram and of course on youtube if it is in love podcast so if you're listening to this know that you can watch it and you can see me and all my bonnet glory and (laughs) my boo over here and his I used to uh, be a people person that people ruined it t-shirt. So if you want to see us in all of our glory, you want to see our new setup, watch this on the YouTubes. Um, So yeah, Um, if you have any questions, comments, brand deals, you can email us at if it is in love podcast at gmail.com. I forgot that as I was saying it, I forgot it. So um, with no further ado, we'll catch y'all next week. Bye. (laughs)